Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Well, so good to be with you uh, in this Advent season. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Excited to worship again with you uh, this weekend as we come together and gather and celebrate uh, the newborn king. Uh, Nearly two years ago, uh, Lauren and I gave our son a gift, and it truly has been a gift that has kept on giving. It wasn't actually a Christmas gift, uh, but rather a, a gift for his birthday, which is shortly after Christmas. But see, my, my uh, youngest son, Jackson, loves animals, loves animals. All of my, all of my kids uh, like animals, but, but Jackson is truly our animal lover. He and Lauren both are, are the animal lovers in our family. So we have an old dog. Uh, she hasn't always been old, but uh, she's pretty old. When we got her, she was a little bit old, and she's pretty old. And for a while, we had, we had another cat, and uh, the cat passed away, and that crushed Jackson, crushed him. But being an, uh, an animal liker that I am, some of you got that joke. Thank you for that. I appreciate the, the sympathy laughter over here. I appreciate that. Being the animal liker that I am, I figured one pet, especially when you have four children, one pet is plenty, plenty. And so for several years... That was widely accepted, at least audibly, in our house. But then I wore down. I gave in. I love Jackson so much, I thought, you know, if he really wants a cat, what great gift that would be for his birthday, to let him pick out a new cat. But I made a very grave mistake. If you're taking notes this morning, you should write this down because this might help you. My folly may somehow help you in your life in some way. I made the mistake of sending the two animal lovers to go pick out one cat. You can see where this is going. Some of you are whispering, this idiot, what was he thinking? This fool. So lo and behold, they did not come home with one, but with two cats. (laughs) What a gift. There they are. See the old dog in front, and uh, that's Lola and Boo sitting in the chair You can already tell uh, by Zoe, my dog's face, that she knows who's in control now. It's not her. Uh, These are our two cats. There's another picture of them that you can leave on the screen. I know. Now, some of you don't like cats. Get over it. Get over it. These are my cats, so don't dare scoff at them. Uh, Jackson will have a tear streaming down his face. So for Jackson's sake, you better love my cats. Um, but, But here's the deal about these cats. Uh, Lola and Boo, they are truly part of our family, part of the circus that is our family. But they have become the gifts that keep on giving. What I mean by that is uh, a a little while ago, we trained them to be kind of indoor, outdoor cats. And since that time, since that time, uh, they, they have delivered multiple gifts to us upon occasion. I remember the first time. It was in the middle of the night, I'm tucked warmly into my bed, sleeping, which is hard enough to do when you have four kids sleeping. And I'm awakened to the sound. Actually, I didn't wake up to any sound. Lauren is beating me. Wake up, wake up. You know, that's, there is a live mouse squeaking somewhere in our room. And one cat is, we, we flipped the lights on, one cat is kind of pawing and playing with it. The other one is just growling fiercely at this intruder. 
And my instinct is, let's just go back to bed. It'll all work out. And Lauren, of course, was like, we're not going to sleep with a live mouse five feet from me. And so I scurry up, get a broom, throw it out the door. But from that point on, our cats have delivered dozens and dozens and dozens of gifts to us. Some of them still alive. Many of them are not. We've had mice. We've had rabbits. We've had many birds, some still alive and flying through the house. Uh, We had a squirrel. We even had a bat several months ago that was still very much alive, hanging onto the curtains. They are so generous, these gifts that keep on giving. I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea the gifts that you're giving this year for Christmas, but we have been talking a lot about gifts. Not our gifts, not the gifts that we'll be giving, but the gifts available to us. Tim and Carol did such a great job just a few minutes ago of reminding us of the gifts that we receive this Christmas because of Jesus. We began our series, Christmas Gifts, speaking of the gift of presence. Christmas is the gift of God's presence with us right now, his presence with you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, we can receive the gift of his presence right now. He can be with you no matter what. What a gift Christmas is, right? The reminder, the acknowledgement, God is with me. God is with me. We spoke then of the gift of mercy. Christmas is a celebration of many things, including a celebration of mercy. But this is the best news, right? The best news is this Christmas, we don't get what we deserve. <laughs> I, just, I was just talking to a few of you. Are you on the nice list or the naughty list? Oh, I'm on the naughty list. Aren't you glad Christmas is a celebration of the fact we don't get what we deserve because we didn't deserve a Savior. We didn't deserve Jesus. But in the fullness of time, God sent his Son for us. Christmas is a celebration of mercy. What a gift. And last week, we spoke of the gift of joy. As the Savior was born and the angel proclaimed good news of great joy, God's promises can be our reality because he promises, he promises that joy can be our reality because of Christmas. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. What a gift. What a gift. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 this morning if you have your copy of Scripture. Um, if you're a version Bible user on your phone, we have an event set up there. I'd love to encourage you to go find that event. You can uh, follow along with some extra notes today, some extra verses that you can study and reflect on during the week. But we're going to reflect on these words from Isaiah as we focus on the gift for this week. Uh, We know generations and generations before Jesus came that he was coming. And we know that because Isaiah prophesies about it. We read these words like they were written right above the manger, like they were delivered the moment Jesus came. But these words were written thousands of years before This is a prophecy, and I want you to to lean in with me and understand and read the specific promises that were given before Jesus came, before the gift arrived. I want you to read these words, and we're just going to read verses 6 and 7 today of Isaiah 9, but I want you to hang on these words, the prophecy, the promise of Jesus, of the gift that was coming. It says this in verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us. A son is given. And again, who is us? This is the the people of God, the children of God that have been praying and hoping and believing a Savior is coming. These are the words spoken. Uh, To us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder and he will be called, listen to this, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government in peace, there will be no end. Uh, each and every week that we've gone through our series, we've been talking a lot about gifts, and so each week I bring a gift um, that I unwrap to remind us of the gift that we're going to speak of today. And uh, like each week uh, is a little bit unique, today's gift is a little bit unique, and so I'm going to open it and show you kind of our focus for today and the gift that we're going to talk about. Uh, this gift is a little bit unique because it's really two gifts in one. Uh, you can see kind of a, a pot here. A um, beautiful little pot that you could plant, a flower, something beautiful that would grow. We don't think a lot about planting this time of year. But what's unique about this gift is because there's, there's another one of these here. But as you can see, uh, this is not really a, a beautiful thing to use at all. In fact, most of us would see this in the store and say, wow, what a waste. Because this has been broken. Uh, all the pieces here still inside of it. And, and you may say, what in the world does a broken pot and a pot that's whole have anything to do with the gift that we're going to speak of today? Well, well, hang with me, hang with me, and we'll see. So what is it? What is it Isaiah says he will be called? If you have your scripture there, look at it with me. Look at the titles again. He begins by saying a wonderful counselor. We spoke about the gift of presence, and really isn't that what's being prophesied here? A, a counselor, someone who, who cares for us, right? That's the promise of this Messiah, a wonderful counselor. Next, Isaiah says, a mighty God. Listen, a baby born in a manger is a mighty God. Wow. That, that he is, he is a, a baby, but, but he is God. He is God with us, and he is powerful. He is mighty. Everlasting Father. Everlasting, what does that mean? It means not ending, expanding beyond our concept of time and space. And again, the word here is Father. The implication is a father cares, a father loves, a father has a relationship with his children. That's the image that Isaiah gives us. But then there's one more title. Uh, Isaiah says what, what may have been what, what people living in first century Roman Empire, it, it would have been the most meaningful to them more than likely because it's, it's this word, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. To most of the people living in first century Roman Empire, this would have been far-fetched. This would have been hard to believe. This would have been too good to be true. Prince of Peace? The gift we're focusing on today, as we've already heard about in the Advent candle, is the gift of peace. Isaiah promises, hey, hey, a Savior is coming. The Messiah, he is coming. He is the Prince of Peace. Let me ask you, in our world today, is there any substitute for true peace? The word in the Old Testament, we're reading out of the Old Testament, right? This word in the Old Testament, peace, is the word shalom. We've talked about that word from time to time because I love that word. The implication here is not some arbitrary term describing a state of euphoria, right? Vacation, a tropical beach, being alone in the woods, whatever your version of that is. That's not what Isaiah is talking about here when he says shalom, right? Shalom is this idea, it's this Old Testament idea that was carried into the New Testament of completeness or wholeness. It's not just taking a nap. It's not just the kids are quiet and I get a moment alone. That's not really, that's a very short-sighted version of peace. Uh, shalom meant completeness or wholeness. In fact, shalom means 
uh, when, when people would give that greeting, often that they would give the greeting, shalom, shalom. Really what they were saying is this, may God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together according to his purpose, according to his plan. Shalom, may God take the brokenness in your life, the broken pieces of your life. May God take what looks broken and unredeemable and unfixable and unusable and purposeless in your life. Shalom, may God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together. That's this Old Testament understanding of peace. And that is the word that Isaiah uses prophesying a prince of peace, a prince of shalom, the promise of God, a father, a counselor, and yes, a prince of peace. But next, notice in Isaiah, again, these are just two verses, but notice the adjective used here, greatness. Greatness, last week we talked about great joy, right? But notice, greatness is an adjective describing two things, his government and his peace. Often, Isaiah 9, a lot is focused, the greatness of his government, because, they're, they're, again, they're picturing a king, a conquering ruler, coming in. He, he's going to have a great kingdom, and, and that's true. But that word great doesn't just focus on the greatness of his government. It's also the greatness of his peace. The emphasis here is both the greatness of his government and his peace. It's unending. His peace only his peace is forever. That's what Isaiah promises thousands of years before the Messiah came. It's no wonder, it's no wonder that we fast forward to Luke chapter 2, and, and that's the words Tim and Carol read for us just a few minutes ago. It's no wonder that we fast forward in the words that the angels proclaim as they burst forth right, into the sky, and they proclaim the arrival of the Messiah. What are the words they say in Luke 2.14? Glory to God. Praise God in the highest heaven. And then what do they say? In on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Today, that can be you. That can be you. This idea of shalom, right? peace. May God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together. Peace to you on whom his favor rests. The wording of the proclamation in Luke 2 matters because it says glory to God in heaven and peace to those on earth. There's no need to proclaim peace in heaven. It's already there. <laughs> but for those of us living in a broken world, we desperately need the promise of peace. We desperately need the proclamation of the angels. Peace on earth. May the peace of God become your reality here on earth. Heavenly peace. The arrival of Jesus was a proclamation of peace. Peace on earth. What a gift. What a gift. Uh, I don't know about you, there's different uh, movies and traditions and things that you watch and do uh, this time of year. And I was thinking about a character that's become pretty popular since the 1980s, uh, the story of Ralphie. Now, he may mean nothing to you. And I'm going to be honest, this is not my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, but it's from 1983, and I talked about the 80s last week, so I'm going to talk about the 80s again this morning. Uh, you, know, you know when we un unwrap a present under the tree, and it's exactly 
what we wanted. I hope you've had that experience. Someone, if no one's ever gotten you exactly what you wanted, I'm sorry, come talk to me after. We'll work that out. But I hope at some point in your life, you've been able to look back and, wow, that's exactly what I wanted. Thank you, husband. I ordered that on Amazon and you wrapped it for me. Thank you for getting me exactly what I, I don't know what that looks like in your story, right? But you, you ever had that experience? That was Ralphie's story. The story, again, the, the well-known movie, A Christmas Story, whether you like it or not, Ralphie desperately wanted his Red Ryder BB gun, right? And he asked, and he asked, and he didn't think he was going to get it, but he got exactly what he wanted, even if he almost shot his eye out, right? <laughs> but like Ralphie, have you ever unwrapped exactly what you wanted? And you may say that, you may believe that. That might happen for you this year. You're getting exactly what you wanted, and you're excited about that. But the truth is, whatever that is, it's not exactly what we've always wanted. Whatever that, I love gifts, and, and I like receiving gifts. I love giving gifts. But whatever that gift is for you, it's, it's not exactly what you wanted. Because peace, peace is truly what we've always wanted from our youngest days, whether we can articulate it or not, in the depths of our soul, what we really want, what we really long for, is peace. Something that really can't be wrapped and put under a tree. Something that can't really be bought in a store or purchased online. What we really want, what we really need, is peace. Do you know that kind of peace today? His peace. Have you experienced the gift of peace. That's what we're talking about today. Receiving the gift, right? Receiving the gift of his peace. Do you know that today in your life? Well, what does that mean? What does it mean, you say? I, I don't know. How do I know if I've experienced his peace? Well, Jesus himself, not Jesus the baby in the manger, but Jesus who, who would grow up and live his life and minister and serve and heal and redeem. Before he would go to the cross in John 14, he said these words. They're up on the screen. Peace I leave with you. Think about how powerful this is. Isaiah promises that he's the Prince of Peace, and now the Prince of Peace is saying these words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You may need a, a special verse for your Christmas season this year. You may need a special promise from God to lay over the grid of your life this Christmas season. And John 14 may not be a scripture that you think of often in terms of Advent, but this Christmas season, John 14, 27 might be your Christmas verse as Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one that came to offer us true peace, speaks these words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. See, according to Jesus, according to Jesus, his peace is different. It is different than the peace this world offers. It is different than man's definition of peace, which, which may be the, the end of a crisis or the end of war, the absence of conflict. Jesus' peace is different than our definition or our mindset of peace. He says it. He says it. My peace, Jesus says. I don't give to you as the world gives. So there must be something different about God's peace than the peace we work for in this world. 
There must be something different about the peace of God. It must be different than the peace that we see around us or we hope for or we try to achieve on our own, the peace we try to figure out. I want to offer you today just briefly three guidelines that I think help us understand the difference between God's peace and the world's peace. You see, the peace of the world, the world's peace, ignores the real problem. And that's the difference. The peace of God actually, actually speaks to our problem, our brokenness, right? Our lack of wholeness. And see, the peace that the world tries to offer us or promise us or the peace that we try to achieve, it ignores the real problem. Of course, the real problem I'm talking about today is the problem of sin, The real problem in our world is sin. At the core of it all, that we are a broken, sinful people in need of a Savior. That's the real problem. It is. That's the real, every person who has ever lived, right? Except Jesus. We're sinners. Our nature is, is sin. And that sin, we can't solve on ourselves. We can't fix on ourselves. We can't bring ourselves peace. So the problem with anything that falls short of God's peace, it doesn't really address the problem. It ignores the real problem. And because of that, we can't find real lasting peace. It's just a temporary fix. It's a momentary solution. That's why I want you to know not just that the world's peace ignores the real problem, but also the world's peace is fleeting. It might be here for a moment. It might mean something in a moment, but tomorrow it's gone. The next day, it's not there anymore. You're searching again for another version, another iteration of that peace. Really, the world's peace isn't peace at all because it won't last. It can't last. Not really. Many of you today are facing different circumstances this Christmas than you did last year or last month. And our circumstances change. And with that, this definition, this idea, this facade of worldly peace comes and goes. It can't last. Finally, the world's peace cannot offer you the hope in healing that you desperately need. I said, um, you know, the gift under the tree that you'll open, oh, it's what you really wanted, but, but I, I beg to differ that peace is really what we want because what we really want today is hope. What we really need today is healing. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe you need spiritual or emotional healing. But I don't know what that is. But I I believe what we all desperately need today is hope and healing. And the problem is the world's peace can't offer you that. It can't. Some of you have seen, you've experienced the emptiness of trying to experience hope and healing through some some faulty definition of peace offered to you by something, someone around you. But see, the message of Christmas is that the peace of God, not worldly peace, God's peace, the peace that the Prince of Peace offers is possible. That's what Christmas promises us. I want to challenge you in this way. I have it up on the screen. I want to challenge you today to stop searching for your peace. Instead, welcome his if there's something to be said about the world in which we're living, about our neighbors and our family and our coworkers and our friends, people around us, everyone is searching for peace, especially this time of the year where the Christmas season can magnify our joys, but it can really magnify our sorrows, can it? 
And so there's people all around us in this season that are feeling more anxious, more overwhelmed, more desperate. They're searching more than ever for something to give them true peace. All around us, people are searching. The one, the one they believe it's financial, so, so more money will bring them peace, right? Another, they believe it's relationships. If I could just fix that person, or if I could earn their approval, if I could prove myself, if I could find that person that will really make me happy, then I will have the peace that I desperately seek. For others, it's, it's achieve more, accomplish more, do more. That will bring me peace. We are surrounded. We are surrounded by a world desperately searching for some version of peace. Maybe others, your neighbors, your family, maybe some of us today, we don't even know. We don't even think peace is possible. It feels hopeless. It feels like this is our reality, just to be broken and to never experience wholeness again. So so what do we do? We we just mask the pain. We don't feel like there's hope for us, so what do we do? We mask the pain. We self-medicate. So we don't have to feel the pain, the emptiness, the hopelessness anymore. If any of this describes you today, I beg you, I beg you, the first word on the screen is what? Stop. Stop doing that. Stop working so hard, chasing after something that will not, listen, it will not bring you peace. It can't bring you peace. It can't. And I believe if that describes you today, deep inside you know that. You've experienced that it's not really bringing you peace. Stop searching for your peace, your peace that you can buy or consume or or seek out or find on your own. Instead, instead, welcome his. This is, again, what did Jesus say? Peace I leave with you. That's what Jesus said. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This Christmas season, the word of the Lord is, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Receive my peace. Each and every week, our challenge with the gift is, often it comes down to that word receive, right? Receive. The gift, the gift of his peace is, being tr- is freely offered to you and I today. The choice is ours. Will we receive? Will we turn? Will we turn from our versions of peace? What we're trying to do or accomplish or accumulate or provide for ourselves to bring us the hope that we desperately want? Will we turn from that and say, Jesus, Prince of Peace, you alone can bring me the hope and healing that I desperately need. You alone can bring the hope and healing that my family members, you alone are my peace. And so I'm going to stop searching for my, instead I'm going to, I'm going to welcome, I'm going to receive your gift today of peace. We're going to close this morning doing one of my favorite things that we get to do uh, during the Christmas season, and that's receive communion. Now, communion is not just a Christmas thing. We believe it's a sacrament in our church. It's a means of grace, meaning Jesus instructed us to remember, remember, before he would go to the cross, remember his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. And that's what communion is. It's a reminder of the bread. What does the bread remind us of? The body, the body 
broken for us, given for us. What does the cup uh, symbolize for us? It's the blood, the, the reminder that that baby born in a manger was born to die. Did you hear that this morning? That baby, the gift of that baby in a manger, he was born to die so that you and I could know peace. So that sin doesn't have to defeat us anymore. So the brokenness of your life does not have to be your reality anymore. That's why Jesus came. And so when we receive communion, when we come to the table, we remember the gift, the gift of Jesus going to the cross for us, laying down his life, his body broken for us, the bread, his blood poured out for us, the cup. We have the opportunity to receive, to welcome, to say thank you for this gift. So I'm going to invite you today. Would you stand with me as we prepare our hearts for communion I'm going to invite you to stand right where you are and to just close your eyes and bow your head. We're going to pray. And in a minute, anybody in this room is welcome to come to the table. You don't have to be a member of this church. Your only desire today needs to be, I want his peace. I want to be in right relationship with him. The prince of peace the only hope and healing possible for me. If that's your desire today, then in just a minute, you're welcome to come to the table as we sing, as we reflect, as we remember. Come to the table and receive the bread and the cup as a reminder, Lord, I receive your peace this Christmas. I could not save myself, but thank you, Jesus, that you came to offer me hope in healing and forgiveness, the peace that I desperately needed. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to pray for you. But in just a minute, some will come and take the elements back to their seat. Some may want to kneel at an altar. Our pastors are going to be present here near the table. If you want somebody to pray with you or for you about peace, about anything in your life today, you are not alone. You do not have to feel alone today. There are pastors coming forward right now. They would love to pray with you, to agree with you in prayer as we celebrate communion this morning. But before we do, I want to pray. Maybe today you feel like that one desperately searching for peace somewhere, trying so hard to find hope and healing in and of yourself, and it's fleeting, it's frustrating, it's hopeless. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for that one. They may think they're the only one, they're not. But the one in the room today that is trying to live according to the world's peace, and it's frustrating, and it's, there's no hope in it, there's no healing in it, because it's not ultimately going to bring the healing and wholeness that we need. Only you, Jesus, can do that. So I pray today that they would stop running, they would stop searching, they would stop trying to, to find that peace on their own. Instead, they would welcome and receive your gift of peace. Lord, we pray for those not in the room today, other members of our church family, other, uh, our, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, those around us that do not know your peace today as we come to the table, as we receive your peace. Lord, make us agents of reconciliation. Make us people that bring this peace, this hope that we know to others. 
because of what you've done. What a gift we have this morning as we come to the table. In your name. Church family, as we sing, as we pray, there's no rush. But when you're ready this morning, all are invited. All are welcome to come to the table. Let's worship. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.